This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as it's Wednesday um, here in a little over a week from when the Big Ten made their announcement to cancel uh, the 2020 fall sports season um, and presumably move things to the spring. And, you know, here as we sit here, guys, it's 1030 on Wednesday morning. There's still a lot of smoke out there um, that teams like Ohio State, particularly leading the charge with Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan, um, Iowa, um, partic- uh, particularly those five. I mean, they're, they're not backing down quite yet. And um, there's groups of parents of players that are going to go out and protest on Friday uh, outside the Big Ten offices. What I find interesting in all this is the Big Ten has provided no transparency. You'd think if they would want to end this and kind of give their exact findings, their exact reasonings, the transparency of such a big process that's going to affect thousands of people and have a billion dollar impact on local economies. Um, you know, when, when you look at it across the board and obviously the school hit, uh, there, there have been zero, you know, there's been zero transparency from Kevin Warren. And I think that of anything is probably what you should be the most critical of right now. Without question. I mean, it's one thing to uh, make a decision like this and stick to your guns and uh, go forward, you know, as a conference. But uh, when you make a decision of this magnitude and have so many uh, people impacted by such decision, not only your universities, not only your athletic programs, but communities and states, and you are providing zero tangible explanation for why you made that decision, that's not going to go over well. And so you see the backlash from fans, from media, from parents, and now even coaches are, are finally speaking out beyond just Scott Frost. James Franklin's been critical about the, the the silence from Chicago about this, and not only about why they made the decision, but what's the plan going forward? You know, what are we supposed to be doing right now? The, there is zero communication going on from Big Ten leadership, and you know, again, there's you can go on tangent after tangent about the decision they made, but the fact that. You know, the people that are directly tied to it, your coaches, the people that are basically making up uh, the heart of your league, they have questions that aren't being answered. That is as big of a red flag as you possibly could have as a Big Ten commissioner. Yeah, the silence is deafening. And, and to me, if you had answers, you would be forthright in, in showing or letting people know what those answers were or, or you know, at least sh- showing people the, the evidence as to wh- how you came to the decision. Um, but so far, it's just been it's been you know um, rumor after rumor. Basically, I mean, was there a vote? Was there not a vote? Uh, who was involved in the discussions? Uh, who wasn't involved in the discussions? I mean, it's all kind of hearsay right now. Um, and it's been what well over a week since we've heard anything from from Kevin Warren. And and even when he did speak, he didn't he didn't say anything anyway. So it's uh, it's really frustrating. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and I don't know what it's going to do with these parents going out to the Big Ten, and you know, the Nebraska may or may not have players out there. I do know the group of Husker players um, are getting uh, an attorney to kind of represent the group and speak for the group um, here going on forward. Uh, but I just think people want answers. They want transparency. And, you know, we're going to talk about this more, but just all the dominoes 
um, you know, that this is going to lead to with eligibility and, you know, other things down the road. And I want to talk about that in our next segment. Um, but yeah, just all of these things. And I, like I said, I don't know what it's going to do with these parents going out, but I know Ohio state's going to have a number of media members that are covering it. So the longer they keep this ball in play, you know, the better chance maybe something can happen. It's a pipe dream at this point. I think I, I think a lot of very, very important people are going to have to admit they made a bad decision. And typically very important people that have Ivy League type backgrounds don't like to admit they're wrong. Yeah, I, in my opinion, it's too little too late to change the course of the Big Ten is headed. But uh, if nothing else, it at least kind of magnifies and puts a spotlight on the um, – the anger and the dissatisfaction with how this process has been handled. And it's going to get people talking. Uh, like you said, there's going to be cameras, there's going to be reporters out there, and there's going to be a lot of people watching all of these parents of players that are not happy. And they're going to make sure that everybody knows about it. And at some point, you know, it's, it, if nothing else, it'll at least force uh, Kevin Warren or whoever uh, is going to uh, be the voice of this thing uh, to step up and actually say something and give answers to all of these questions people just, just want to know. Uh, I mean, like I said, if you're going to do this, you got to be able to back it up and explain why. And it's crazy to think that, like, the Pac-12 can be looked to as, like, a beacon of stability with what Larry Scott's doing. I mean, they're usually a dumpster fire, but compared to what the Big Ten's doing, you know, they're they're handling it as well as you could hope. I mean, they're providing medical evidence. Like, here is our medical report that we based this decision on. And there's no on. pushback in the league about it. Exactly. I mean, it's like, th this is why we made the decision. Like, you may not like it, but this is why. Whereas the Big Ten says, we made this decision, deal with it. Yeah, it's wait, the thing about it, too. It's not even about playing, at least in my perspective or from my perspective. It's not even about playing. It's about just getting answers to everything else that comes along with not playing. You know, the, the eligibility, um, you know, what, what's that going to look like? You know, are there going to be um, how are you going to handle transfers? Because there's going to be guys that want to transfer to to play and um and so you know what's what's that going to look like um you know there's all these questions that, that come from not playing that i think need need to be answered and if you're not willing to come and be forthright forthright with how you came to the decision to not play i think you need to at least start answering these questions okay uh this is how we're going to handle things this is the plan for spring football uh this is the plan for eligibility um so on and so forth i, I just I, I find it hard to believe that We've had what six months since since this, seven months almost mm -hmm. since this all happened, and you've got no answers whatsoever. Um, I, I just, I mean, what have you been doing for the last five or six months? Daily uh, Zoom calls too. Yeah, I mean, they've had yeah. and like Mil, I thought Bill Moose laid kind of a jab uh, last week to Kevin Warren. He said we've had daily meetings for five months, and something that we've worked so hard to get out ended in a day. And it just, I think that's that's where, you know, I, say what you want. Politics got involved somehow in this thing, and 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 you know, it, it's it's unfortunate because football and sports are supposed to be pure, and it, it shouldn't. You know, that was what always made sports great, um, where politics didn't get involved, but somehow, some way, this got political, and it's unfortunate. Well, and I think it shows that uh, this decision was being influenced by things that go well beyond just the safety of student athletes and whether or not they could play. A season because clearly uh, there was not a unified opinion on this between the member schools of the Big Ten Conference and 
clearly some voices were heard more than others. And, you know, I think the Big Ten caught itself in a situation where they wanted to be so proactive in this and uh, be on the right side of history and be the first to shut this down. And they just assumed that if we do it, everybody else is going to follow suit. And it worked with the Pac-12. The Pac-12 did it, you know, a few hours later. But then when the pushback came from the ACC, from the SEC, from the Big 12, all of a sudden the Big Ten's like, wait, wait, what? And now they're in a situation where, like, I'm sure egos are involved. And now they're, they're both sides are doubling Exactly. Where we're, we're not going to budge on this either side. And ultimately, uh, I don't think we're going to find out who's right about this until, you know, we're into the other conferences playing football. And if they're able to get through a season, or at least the majority of it, uh, without any major setbacks, which, you know, we'll see, that's going to be an extremely big black eye on the Big Ten Conference because they didn't try. They, they shut down before even legitimately attempting to have a college football season. I mean, who's to say, though, guys? Couldn't you just say, all right, we messed up. We'll start on October 3rd. I mean, you don't have to start. There's nothing stopping them. They're talking about playing in January. Like, Give come me a break. And then domes? I mean, my thing is if you can get a 25% fan element and play a fall schedule on Fox when football is supposed to be played and have protocols and measures in place, that's going to save things. The way it is right now, if it goes forward, thousands of people in athletic departments are going to be furloughed or lose their jobs. Any non-contract person, meaning a non-coach on an assistant coach or head coach contract, all of those people are in jeopardy of either being laid off or furloughed for several months because there will not be any revenue coming into these departments. How do you pay salaries when you have no revenue coming in? It, it's going to be just one of the worst things we've seen on top of the business effects it's going to have in Lincoln um, down the road. And I, I get it, 25% capacity is not going to necessarily save the local Lincoln economy, but that's still better than nothing. Yeah, and at that point, that's what Nebraska is looking at, nothing. I mean, there's going to be a barren winter for – not just sports, but for the the economy and the, the, the business livelihood of the city and the economic economic impact, like Bill Moose said, I mean, they're projecting to be over $300 million. I mean, that's insane when you think about it. And, um, you know, each one of those home games, you know, for the athletic department itself is worth 12 million bucks. So, I mean, every game that you take away, or well, it, it's just devastating uh, how costly that could be. And so even if you're able to throw together a semblance of a season that's better like you said Sean better than nothing and at least giving some sort of a, of, of a safety net for businesses for the university and for the city as a whole and yeah, you talked about having a black eye for this year uh, to me it goes far beyond this year because if you do somehow find a way to, to play spring football um, you're, you're gonna have to modify your your fall schedule the, the following year next year and so um, and, and how is that going to how's that going to jive with everything else in college football? So you're probably looking at at two years where you're not involved in, you know, a college football playoff or, or anything like that, at least. All right, guys, when we come back, I want to talk about the fallout even more, how this could really affect recruiting uh, for the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 um, in the months to come. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Guys, I wanted to just bring this thought up to you and get your take on this. You know, we talk about potentially the Big Ten playing maybe in the spring, um, and they're not playing right now for medical safety reasons, which we still don't know what those medical safety reasons are. Well, let's say that involves a vaccine for the COVID-19 
And let's say there is no vaccine that's available by January, February, which there very well may not be. If you're recruiting, and Nate, I want to get your take on this first. If, if you're a school that's recruiting against a Big Ten guy, wouldn't you say, like, look, guys, I mean, go, go to Michigan, go to Nebraska, go to Ohio State. But who's to even say that those guys are going to play football again next year? These guys are the only league that's pulled out along with the Pac-12 for medical safety reasons. We've proven you can play and do it safe. They may not even play again, and, and that could easily be used against these teams going forward. Yeah, absolutely they are, and especially – you know, the, like teams in the the SEC and, and ACC, for example, that are down in those hotbed recruiting areas where Big Ten schools poach. Uh, yeah, most of them have to go down into those areas. They're going to tell those kids, hey, why would you fly halfway across the country and, and risk maybe not even being able to play? Why, why would you do that? Wouldn't you just rather stay closer to home and, and know that you can play football and go to a school that's going to – um, you know, going to allow you to do that and, and do what, you know, uh, showcase your abilities and help you try to get to the next level, so on and so forth. I mean, it's it's going to be the, the recruiting impact from this. I think um, you're not going to be able to really tell a whole lot immediately right now, but I think in the long term, it, it could it could be pretty drastic. And I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, I think one thing I've thought about is if you're a coach, you might almost kind of have to hope that everything gets shut down. Mm-hmm. That if you're not playing and you're fighting against all this negative recruiting, you, you're probably sitting there hoping that, that the SEC and ACC Big 12 end, Pull up, out eventually. end up getting shut down and that there's no football because you're, the, the playing field is definitely not level um, and it's certainly not in your advantage. Each day that goes by, it's not level. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and uh, that's the, the whole flip side of that too is uh, what if those other leagues do pull it off? I think the consequences would be monumental for Big Ten. Changing Pac-12. forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to where uh, you were literally unable to compete. They are providing the opportunity to play where you cannot provide that. You cannot guarantee when you're going to play, where you're going to play, who you're going to play, whereas all these other schools, they're, they're going forward. And, I mean, Nebraska's already at such a disadvantage when it comes especially to competing against programs from that region. If you add that to it, there's no contest. Nebraska will be crippled with how they're able to recruit the majority of the country. Yeah, if I'm Greg Sankey right now, I'm saying let's twist the knife. I mean, we, oh, absolutely. we got a chance. These I'm not going to use poor language here, but the, these guys <laughs> – have hung their nose up in the air, academic this, we're the Big Ten, elite-level researchers, yada, yada, yada. Well, we can get this done. We can prove that you can do it right, we can do it safely, and we're going to capitalize this into a better television deal where we move ahead of the Big Ten, which right now is ahead of the SEC and the, the, the most money. And that's kind of a big deal. I mean, when, you, when you're, it's kind of like the Olympic, the, the country that wins the most medals. If you're the conference that has the most television revenue, it's a big deal to say that we are the Premier League. And if, if you're the SEC, I think you're doubling down. Like, we can prove that we can do this right and really twist the knife into the Big Ten and knock everybody back a notch. And you got to wonder just kind of what wheels are already in motion right now with some of those schools. I mean, obviously, uh, I think everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens. And, Nate, maybe you can speak more to this. But, you know, just uh, uh, the, the plans that are being in place, If what if we play and the Big Ten doesn't? You know, not only just recruiting future prospects, but you know, hitting the transfer market. I mean, that could <laughs> that could be just as big of an issue in the short term. Yeah, the the transfer market I think could end up being the wild wild west there, um, depending on what the NCAA and 
And, you know, conferences like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 allow players, current players on campuses to do. Um, but, yeah, it, to me, it's you wouldn't even be talking about the, the SEC moving ahead of the Big Ten. I, I think you'd see them catapult ahead. I mean, I, I think – it would be it would be a drastic drastic change in the college football landscape um, to where you've you're you're kind of used to seeing the Big Ten be at the very top and now all of a sudden um, you know depending on how this all goes I think you'd, they'd be lucky to be kind of middle tier. Well, and how are fans going to react? I mean, if this plays out all the way and you know how and how disappointed are you going to be as a fan of Michigan, a fan of Nebraska, a fan of Penn State? I mean, you're you're going to really lose trust in your affiliation with this conference that. You know, for a lot of people, this is what they build their, I mean, their, their social lives around, um, you know, on the weekends. They, they go to Penn State or Michigan Athletics, and they do that year-round. And to have political reasons and other reasons have it taken away, I mean, it, it really is upsetting, I would think, to a lot of these fan bases. And how will they react in the future? I mean, will, will these stadiums still be full? Will the fans have the same level of loyalty when they feel like maybe they were did wrong uh, by some of these leaders? I don't know what the impact would be on this, the schools. I mean, Nebraska fans are going to come to Nebraska games, but I think, if anything, you could see a lot of momentum being towards we need to reevaluate our affiliation. You know, we are, is the Big Ten the place for us? And if you are not providing us an opportunity to play when other conferences are, and we've seen the consequences that come with your decision to not allow us to play football – you know, maybe we need to find somewhere else. And, you know, I mean, that was obviously kind of an emotional reaction right out of the jump. But if that plays out and other leagues are able to successfully do this in mean, a school like Nebraska is going to really have to, uh, even if it is years down the road, uh, to really try to reevaluate uh, what is in the best interest of Nebraska and Nebraska football and, and everyone else involved with Nebraska. And right now, I mean, it's kind of questionable at best to say that the Big Ten is the right spot. Yeah, well, and you saw the reaction from pretty much everybody in the Big on, Ten. On the academic side of Nebraska, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and I look at it, even even like Ohio State, um, you know, if it, you've got Cincinnati who's playing football. Um, the state of Ohio, the governor of Ohio just okayed for high school football to be played. So, I mean, virtually every everybody in the state of Ohio is allowed to play football except the Big Ten is saying, nope. nope except can't. their best team in the state. Yeah, except their <laughs> best team in the state. I mean, um, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, the outrage from Ohio State fans is going to be pretty epic. Um, and, that, I mean, it, for the most part, I think that goes for, for the majority of the big-name schools in the conference. Um, now, you, you know, who knows with Minnesota and Northwestern and Indiana, Rutgers, whatever, but – um, yeah, it, to me, I, I agree. I, I think you've got to look for you know, kind of reevaluate what's the best fit long term and, and what's going to um, you know help you uh, the most long term because these the decisions that have been made right now are, are potentially crippling. Well, and some of these schools are the loud voices in the room that have been vocal by not playing. And Minnesota and Michigan State are two of them. I can tell you that Northwestern, Northwestern, you have to think is in that camp too, but. Yeah, I think Michigan State, they know they're going to be bad. Yeah. So why do they want to go? I think Jeff Brom, if he had – I mean, I think Jeff Brom knows now without Rondell Moore, their their team, a new defensive coordinator in Bob Diaco who didn't get a spring, he knows they're not going to be good. And I feel like some of these guys, they don't make as much money, and it doesn't affect them in their places as much as Nebraska or Ohio State, um, where they're like, you know what, the spring will be just fine. You know, we'll we'll, – 
be better in the spring. Well, that's what bothers me as much as anything is like the reaction to Nebraska's plea to play football. You know, like you got these national types that are. It was like, a hit job. There's no question. They're like, well, everybody's going to suffer. You know, what makes Nebraska different? Well, Nebraska is different. There's a reason why you brought them into the Big Ten when it, otherwise it was entirely a, a total non fit. It's because of their football program. You know, you brought Nebraska to the Big Ten for football because Nebraska football is different than most any other place in the country. And now to sit there and criticize them for wanting to play football and doing everything they possibly can to play football, uh, it's so hypocritical from everyone in the league. I mean, you have to think that was an organized hit job. I mean, Desmond Howard is personal friends with the leadership of Michigan. Michael Wilbon's on the board of trustees for Northwestern. And just the way that came out, Jalen Rose also took shots at Nebraska too. And, you know, he's tight with leadership at Michigan. So you have to wonder if they were spewing the venom of what they were told from leadership within their conference. Well, and, and they haven't backed. They haven't backtracked any of those statements either. Even even after Ryan Day and Ohio State and, and all these other schools, even Harbaugh says they want to play. I mean, they those guys haven't haven't uh, taken back anything they've said. Well, the most critical voices are ESPN voices. Yeah. It's not a coincidence. Everybody you just listed is ESPN. Dick Vitale is doing the same thing. Uh, Booger McFarland is doing the same thing. Basically, all of these ESPN personalities are spewing this narrative that Nebraska is this whiny little baby in the corner crying because it didn't get a candy bar. Like, give me a break. Like, it's no other outlets aren't doing it. You know, I mean, other outlets are supporting Nebraska and saying you need to look at this differently because Nebraska has a different viewpoint than Northwestern or Purdue or any of those other schools. All right, we come back. uh, We'll continue this discussion. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus trying to play psychiatrist here for all of our listeners as we're all in the same spot. We're disappointed. At least at this point on Wednesday, there's going to be no Big Ten football. And the consolation prize, we thought it was 20 hours a week. I think now it's going to be a a 12-hour-a-week schedule uh, with light practices, film time, and lifting sessions. Woohoo! How about that, guys? Yeah, that'd be great. You're going to be watching SEC and Big 12 games on Saturday and ACC games, and you guys can practice in the stadium, and um, you but with no pads on, just helmets only, I think, at that point. So just the whole thought process of how that's safe but playing games is not safe Someone needs to explain that to me. Yeah, well, clearly no one will explain it to you because <laughs> we've been luck. asking for months for any sort of explanation. Uh, it's also, I mean, that move kind of shuts down any hope of, so they do cancel fall football. Will Nebraska be able to, like, put on some spring games or something like that? Nope, can't do that because you can't even put on pads. So, uh, I mean, really, it <laughs> the way it stands right now is going to lead through a very long, cold, dark fall and winter till they, till they finally do actually try to play football yeah it's uh i mean again it's just no no answers to anything um and it, if there is football um i mean i it's going to be just infuriating it for all the players that have put in so much time and effort um to 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 get to this point to try and play for all the coaches um you know i, I can't imagine what they've gone through too i mean they were, you know, probably they've been probably breaking down Purdue stuff, you know, for the for the home opener and do doing it like advanced scouting. For, then now Rutgers, yeah, and then Rutgers, <laughs> and then now nothing, and and not even knowing, you know, not even having any answers for your for your players and for their parents or anything. Um, meanwhile, 
Kevin Warren's kid is going to be playing in the SEC. Um, yeah, I, I just it's going to be it's going to be uh, a sight to behold. And what will be interesting, and Jeff Padrikas from um, the Milwaukee General Sentinel, who originally was the guy that reported the spring thing, and he was about two days too early. But I mean, he obviously had good information on where it was heading, um, but it didn't come out until Tuesday um, that that was going to be the plan. He's reported now this week that um, they're going to look at possibly a January start. Um, to this season, um, which to me, like, what's wrong with September 26th at that point? Um, And then they're going to play games in domes, uh, maybe in Indianapolis, Minneapolis, Detroit, maybe St. Louis, maybe Syracuse. Once again, what's wrong with September 26th with stadiums outdoors and 25% capacity? I just don't understand how things are going to be that much better in January than they are right now when the numbers, by the way, are as low as they've been. Like yeah. Florida had their lowest numbers this week since the beginning of June. Um, we're seeing you know, all these hot spots that were taking the headlines and led to this scare we're in. They've all gone back down again. And so it's, it's interesting that we're going to be better off in January now all of a sudden. Well, and I guess, you know, you could make the argument, look at what's happening around the country with students coming back and, you know, the big spikes going around campuses. Well, wasn't that like the whole idea behind the flexibility that Kevin Warren was praising with that schedule release that he did four days before canceling the season that you could adjust if things like that happened? I mean, starting September 26 or whatever, starting in October, that was still very much on the table to where you could let those things play out, get a better handle on the unknowns of what would happen during the start of the fall semester and being able to adjust accordingly. Like that was the whole premise of that schedule that they put out was you had upwards of a month of makeup time built in for teams to be able to move games around as needed. And now you're scrambling to try to play uh, a makeshift schedule beginning in January uh, where, you know, you're right in the middle of all the the, the six seasons and all that stuff. So let alone COVID, now you're going to peak flu season, all that stuff. It it makes zero sense. And I mean, I just don't understand why this is the best course of action, why this is a safe course of action compared to what was already in place before you decided to shut things down for the fall. Yeah, it's, well, to me, it's not. I, I mean, there's this Playing spring football, I just fail to see how how that's a, a viable option right now. And 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 one thing that I've I've thought about is, you know, for all the for all the schools that are upset about this, um, you know, I, I feel like maybe there's equally as many schools in the conference that that aren't, and that those presidents or chancellors or whoever are actually protecting Kevin Warren in this whole deal. Um, and maybe those are the schools that that you know outside of the sports realm that that carry a lot of influence within the conference or something and they're protecting him some some sort of way i don't i don't know um but i mean and if you had influence over somebody i mean you would probably want to to keep them in the in the the power seat so that they're making decisions that you want them to make so um i don't know that's one thing that's crossed my mind you know, it doesn't matter if ohio state and nebraska and michigan or whoever is upset if uh, if you have all these other you know powers that be at these other schools that that are happy with the decisions that you're making and, and making your life uh, a little bit more comfortable because they want to keep you there guys we've got now a six team that has joined the letter campaign with parents uh, to kevin warren illinois welcome to the party pal is now <laughs> a part of the letter campaign and it's interesting, you got Nebraska, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, and now Illinois. So we're at an 8-6 to six here, and 
you know, Wisconsin has had players that have been vocal about the decision and disappointed in the decision itself. I mean, we're very close to about a 7-7 deal on this decision um, with teams that do and do not want to play where I think we are maybe a Wisconsin away from stepping up to making this very interesting. Michigan, too. I mean, I, obviously they have <laughs> – Well, uh, Michigan's Michigan's involved. Michigan has sent a letter to the You're team. right. You're right. You're right. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, Wisconsin, I think, is the, probably the next big player in that that – uh, you know, if you get your your bell cow university, your big stadium schools, exactly the the ones that carry that influence, and you know Wisconsin does do that to an extent. But uh, I mean, I think it's just furthering the movement of and showing the disconnect going on between the people that are actually involved with the sport and the people that are not, where they're looking at it from an academic and university standpoint compared to an athletic standpoint. And that's I think should probably, if nothing else, you know, this these letters and these protests that are going to be going on. What are they going to accomplish? I don't know. But if anything, it's just furthering making the divide. Yes. It's making the Big Ten look sillier and sillier by the day, especially as other conferences are going forward, you know, seemingly unhinged. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame people for protesting. Um, and and there's, there's positive things that can come out of it. But uh, like I said, Robin, if anything, this is just kind of giving giving everybody else more fuel to to use against the Big Ten or use against uh, particular schools within the Big Ten. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Aaron Washett, Nate Klaus. Robin, I wanted to hit on a little basketball here in the last two minutes. Um, you were in Omaha covering an AAU tournament uh, with Greg over the weekend. Got a chance to see a lot of top local talent. Guys, Nebraska is offered. What were a few of your takeaways? Well, the big ones were Isaac Trout, uh, 2022 kid from Grand Island, uh, and then Jason Green, 2022 uh, from Miller North. Uh, both have Nebraska offers and just being able to see them again. Uh, seeing Isaac Trout for the first time in person, uh, you know, just kind of furthered what I expected, that he is an ideal fit for what Fred Hoiberg wants. And Fred Hoiberg has been in weekly, if not you know, multiple times a week, conversations with him. So Nebraska seems to be in a good spot. Jason Green, same deal. Um, you know, He's made a lot of progress just kind of developing his body a little bit. Uh, and I think he's going to be in for a very big junior year coming up here. Um, and then kind of big story uh, was just, uh, <laughs> you know, I put out a tweet about Hunter Salas. You know, he was wearing a Nebraska basketball shirt at the tournament. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into that, but I did interview him. And he said Nebraska is still very much in the conversation for his recruitment. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see just how much they are in it, but at least the door doesn't appear to be completely slammed on that, uh, you know, despite the rumors that it is. All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Time for the mailbag. And right out of the bat, I posted it kind of late on Wednesday because I wanted to get the most current, up-to-date questions. First question from Mavsker, which that's a new one, Jasker, Mavsker. Um, what do you make of the radio silence from the Big Ten I think you can look at it in a few different ways. I think if you're the optimist right now, you're like, there's actually something going on, and maybe they're worried, and they're taking grenades in the bunker, and they're trying to figure this out, or maybe they're just trying to hope that outbreaks happen at other places and other schools have to shut down within the next week or so. Your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm 
based off the fact that all these coaches still appear to be so much in the dark uh, about what's going on? It just seems like the Big Ten is, uh, you know, sticking with its plan and, you know, going down in the bunker and waiting it out and hoping that everything else kind of falls in line the way they expected it to. And then suddenly they can come out and look and, smart and look like look like they had a, an idea of what was going on all along. Well, to me, it just seems like they're. They're hoping to uh, to to get the the right answers. As the longer they stay quiet, the the longer they they'll have to uh, to gather up their thoughts or, or to put something together and or or hope that things go away. But it's definitely not going away. Got a question here from Husker thirty nine fifty seven. Um, just you know, there were rumors that Kevin Warren went out to L A uh, for a period of time to set up the ten game conference schedule. Do you think with the importance that the Big Ten has put on the Rose Bowl? and their affiliation with the Pac-12 that both these leagues kind of conspired together for a grand plan of spring football ending with a big pseudo-championship Rose Bowl-type game in the late spring in Pasadena? I mean, sure. I mean, there's a possibility of that. I mean, I think if if it works out and the Pac-12 and Big Ten have to play in the spring, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they tried to come up with some sort of April or May Rose Bowl. Yeah, to have their own little, little championship, but – you know, again, that, that seems to be uh, quite the sacrifice for what's yeah. going to happen yeah. this fall just to have your own little showcase in the spring with six or seven games. Yeah, it doesn't add up financially. It does not. I mean, any way you, you, you look at it, doesn't just doesn't add up. I, I find that very hard to believe that, that uh, they were conspiring to, to have their own special spring football season. The playing, again, playing in the spring to me is just not very viable when you look at the long-term uh, you know how much it impacts you long term. That's why the January thing is probably the only way that they could yeah, go. You'd but, have to start that early. But then, okay, let's do it in the height of cold and flu season. To I mean, d- d- none of it makes sense. Robert, I think of spring football. I think of XFL. What was that beer snake? That that cup snake oh, they yeah, would do with the DC defenders. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's that the last sweet. spring football I watched. And, that was sweet. I mean, didn't that thing go up like hundreds yeah. of? Yeah, oh, yeah, over was, the like basically the entire length of the the, the end zone section, but. Yeah, I mean a cup snake. I just don't. You can't push it back any further than that, in my opinion. Just because I mean, there's so much other things at play with, you know, the NFL draft. I mean, you are already going to get probably decimated by transfers and lose recruits, and now you're going to have players sit out uh, because they don't want to hurt their draft stock by playing a meaningless season in the spring right before they're supposed to go work out the combine. Like it, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So if you're going to do it, you have to start in January, in my opinion. There's no other option. Best fall camp story from the Mike Riley era. And I don't know if this was fall camp, guys, but there was one in the spring, if I remember right, where there was kind of a practice fight or something that happened. And it was one of the practices that the media was able to watch the entire practice. And like it was like a different guy. Mike Riley just went off the handle. I mean, he was yelling and screaming. And it was Gerald Foster that he got on. But in some ways, you heard conspiracy theories that he almost did that on purpose because he knew the media was there to kind of put on a little show and show people that he wasn't just some, you know, Mr. Nice Guy um, out there. You know, the other one, too, like that was after they got beat by Oregon, how Mike Riley, remember when the, in the Monday following press conference, how angry and upset he tried to come off after that Oregon loss? And I was always told that he was directed from his boss, I-Course or Devaney or whoever, 
that he needed to go up there and show some anger for that that loss at Oregon. Yeah, when you have to instruct your head coach to show emotion about a loss, that kind of says everything you know about the guy you hired. So uh, I remember one time, I can't remember when it was, I think it was fall camp. They had like a one of the carts and they had like speakers playing and like Tommy Armstrong, Gerald Foster, and you know, that, that little clique of, of players were like riding around, like cruising through the media, playing like a bunch of music and uh, it went crazy on social media. That was kind of like an embodiment of that whole era where like the focus was so far away from getting ready for play football that they were, you know, dancing around doing stuff like that, uh, trying to uh, get get tweets put out by the media. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the best fall camp story. And I think one thing that that sticks in my mind was uh, we were at a practice and uh, I think it was a couple reporters from the DN (laughs) Where <laughs> we're in a spot oh, out that of was the practice great. field where they were not supposed to be. In between the two. In between the two, two grass fields, and there's yeah. like that sideline area <laughs> <Yeah>. between. <laughs> they, and uh, they were told not to go over there, but they went over there anyway, and, and one of the kids just got split up. Yeah, there's a play on the sideline, and two players come in. Like, they, they, the kid was facing the other direction. He got the back of his legs taken yeah. out and flipped over the top. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was. It, I remember. I remember just watching that happen. It was like it was like a train wreck. Like you, you knew something bad was going to happen, but you couldn't turn away. And, and man, they. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but he, yeah, he regretted being uh, being right over there. Best practice fight story you've ever heard? Well, I've seen it, and it was it was uh, Adam Carricker versus uh, Richie Incognito, and that that was back in '04. And that was the moment that led to Richie being suspended where he flipped the desk over in Bill Callahan's office. But it was a just an epic. I mean, bo- I mean, it was like the guys had their fists out and their helmets were off. And I mean, it was like two gladiators fighting in the ring. And then Callahan was so mad that he stopped practice and mm-hmm. ended, ended the practice. Everybody left the field at that moment. And then Richie was done. I mean, that was the end of Richie Incognito. Man. Yeah, I'm sure you could probably have like six or seven Richie stories about that. But uh, one that jumps out immediately was uh, when Alex Lewis was just getting torn up by Randy Gregory in practice. Like he could not block Randy Gregory for whatever was going on that day. And his temper just exploded to where like, I don't think they actually got in like a full fledged fight, but he was so livid that like he took off his helmet, he threw his helmet. He was just swearing and cussing and like Barney Cotton had to take him into the uh, trainer room when like basically get him away from everybody and, and talk him off the ledge a little bit. That uh, kind of was a, a glimpse of things to come with that guy. Well, Barney got heated too. Barney, Barney was in the, in the mix there too. Um, man, I've, I've seen quite a few. Um, those are, those are two really good ones. I know there was there was one between Lakeven Smith and Richie too. That Richie. was that was pretty epic. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Richie was uh, it was kind of a common denominator in a lot of the the really really big big fights that uh, that I can remember. Let's see. We got a question on Yacht Club. But we're not going to answer that one. <laughs> yacht, Club. Uh, yeah. sir. Yacht. Uh, what okay? Will Inu's game at Ireland? Will that happen? Will, what are your thoughts on the Ireland game? And man, I mean, first of all, if if you're a fan that's going to fork out like five or six grand a person to go on this trip, aren't you? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people that are nervous to book those types of trips until we really know where this world's at, and that's a year from now when we'll be on that trip or potentially. 
Um, I'm not too optimistic no. that that game's going to happen next August yeah, right I mean, now. They can't even play a regional schedule, let alone play games internationally. So until they actually show some sort of ability to uh, have some normalcy, uh, I'm, I'm not counting on it. It just seems like that is such an unnecessary risk in the grand scheme of things that as disappointed and upset that I'm going to be that we're not going to be able to go to Ireland. Uh, you know, I think the first and foremost priority needs to be put on actually playing games in Lincoln, Nebraska, before you're going out to Dublin. Well, and, and first of all, you, you have to know what, if there isn't going to be football this fall, um, you have to know what the spring is going to look like. What's that spring schedule look like? Because if, if that, if that season, the spring season, if there is one does go long, I mean, there's no way that you're going to be turning right back around and, and flying out to Ireland, in my opinion. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. We're going to talk some recruiting. Uh, the Huskers lost a commit. They gained a commit. And then just some of the eligibility um, recruiting obstacles that c- could come with not playing this fall. We'll get Nate's thoughts on all that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, a segment, Nate, of the Husker Online Show, brought to you by our friends at Kugler Vision. Nate, it's been about a year since you've gotten your uh, laser vision surgery. Give us the latest and greatest, and and you'll be able to watch high school football again this week without glasses. It's going to be a great year for you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Almost a year, and uh, super, super excited still um, about, about the, uh, the the vision correction that I had. Dr. Mike Stunts uh, did mine. Lance Kugler is, is also uh, one of their terrific surgeons, and, and it's just so easy. I think that's the, the one thing when people ask me about it, um, the one thing that I stress is, is yeah, um, now I have better than 20-20 vision, but it's so easy to to get done. You go to kuglavision.com, take their easy quiz, find out what type of uh, procedure is best for you. Um, and then, you know, you go into the office, they, they map your eyes, and it takes less than a minute per eye to get corrected. Um, it is, it's fantastic. Uh, again, go to kuglavision.com to, to start the process today. Nate, Nebraska picks up a commitment from Camonte Grimes, a wide receiver out of Naples, Florida. Um, you know, early on about a month or two ago in June, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Michigan. Um, Nebraska kind of pulled a surprise there. Um, in fact, nobody had a, um, a a forecast in or a future cast in for him at all um, to Nebraska. How surprised were you by this commit? Uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Um, even though here, you know, he put out his top five in late July and Nebraska was in the mix and I knew that, that there was some interest there. Um, but honestly, you know, after, I mean, after Nebraska got, uh, commitments from, um, Hardy, and then you've got a commitment from Neville, you know, two big bodied wide receivers. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if Kamonte Grimes was still going to be in the mix there. I thought they might be looking for a different type of receiver, but, um, lo and behold, he, he goes ahead and, and picks Nebraska even, you know, came to a decision a little bit quicker than, than what he had originally planned on doing so. But uh, at the end of the day, it came down to his relationship with Scott Frost and Matt Lubick uh, that really swayed him and in um, how they plan on using him, which is interesting because they see him as kind of a, a jack of all trades on, on the offensive side of the football. Now, he does everything for his, his high school team. He's 
he's quarterback, wide receiver, running back, um, you know, safety, kick returner. It does a little bit of everything. But offensively, Nebraska thinks he can be a big-bodied outside receiver. Uh, they think he can play the the slot, and they also think that uh, he's going to be someone that can line up in the backfield and and um, you know give him give him some carries too. So he, he essentially is kind of coming in as that duck R type of guy, even though he doesn't necessarily fit the mold, the traditional mold that, that they've recruited at that position. Nate, now Nebraska loses a commitment, and you know this one kind of flew under the radar how it all went down. But Will Schweitzer decommits from Nebraska, then about an hour later commits to Notre Dame, then shows vis- he went on campus and took a visit there on his own, it appeared. Um, that obviously had to be brewing for quite a while with Will Schweitzer and in, in flipping from Nebraska to Notre Dame. Yeah, and that one that one kind of came out of left field, uh, or definitely came out of left field. And, uh, um, you know, and that hurts because Will Schweitzer was the outside linebacker that, uh, and that's, a, you know, exactly what Nebraska was looking for at that position in terms of athleticism and, and body type and everything. But, um, you know, there was a deal where Notre Dame was his dream school. And he had he had made the commitment to Nebraska, and he was he was torn between uh, what to do. Uh, decided to go ahead and, and pay to take a visit out there on his own dime, even though he couldn't meet with the staff or or you know really take a tour of the football facilities or anything like that. Um, and you know I think after that visit, he, he was like, well, I got to follow my heart here, and um, and he went ahead and, and pulled the the switcheroo. It, it, from from everything I know. He handled it about as as well as you could handle it. Uh, I think he, he handled it with with class. Um, I know it wasn't an easy decision for him, uh, but you know sometimes that's just the way recruiting goes. Uh, there's you're gonna you're gonna lose some guys. Um, you know maybe that you didn't think that you would ever lose just just because someone comes in with an offer uh, that that just so happened to be you know their dream school, and that's what, exactly what happened with Will Schweitzer. Um, you know, Notre Dame came in with an offer. He he wasn't the type that publicized it or, or anything on social media, um, but kind of you know decided to to do his due diligence and follow up with it. And and um, you know it ended it ended up kind of poorly for Nebraska. But like I said, I think he handled a, a tough situation about as well as you could have. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and Nate, it's just the reality of how recruiting is going right now. I mean, it's essentially online dating where you don't even get yeah. to see the girl. I mean, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's very difficult to establish and maintain a relationship when it's only online, when it's only virtual, when you can't really truly showcase and let somebody get to know what your school is all about in person. Um, so I expect a lot of this is going to happen. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of movement going forward. Um, you know, and the NCAA just moved; they extended the the recruiting dead period through September now. So. Um, you know, any hope of visits happening during during the season or during the fall, I think, are you know dwindling, um, you know, by the by the week. And so, uh, and I don't know when that's when that's going to change, but I do think that um, there's going to be it's going to lead to a lot of different movement, especially if there is a point in time where they do open things up. You, you're going to see uh, you know massive amount of visits taking place, and probably. Uh, the landscape, the recruiting landscape changed drastically at that point in time, too. But um, again, you know, it was a deal where Will Schweitzer committed to Nebraska. He had a, he had a great relationship with the coaches, uh, but he had never really, really visited Nebraska truly. He's he'd driven through the state of Nebraska. I think they may have stopped in Lincoln, uh, but they didn't do any type of official tour or anything like that. And, um, you know, and 
just so happened that Notre Dame was his dream school growing up, and so he, he ended up following his heart there. And Nate, high school football, at least in Nebraska, week zero opens up Friday. We'll only have one game in Hastings and Lincoln North Star. Um, Branson Yeager played his opening game. Any update on on how his opening game went um, from last weekend yeah, at all? Yeah, uh, opening game went well for Branson. I know that, uh, that you know, like most guys, he was he was um, okay with how he played. Thought he could have done better, but um, you know, I, I'm excited for high school football to finally be back. Um, you know, and, and hoping that that it continues so that we can we can uh, get out and see a lot of these guys, especially you know, not only local but especially a lot of the the commitments. Um, you know, you've got a lot of in-state talent that, you know, you, Micah Riley and, and Caden Helms at Bellevue West just picked up, um, you know, offers. They have offers from Nebraska. They just picked up offers from Iowa. Um, and and uh, I think more and more offers are going to start coming in in that 2022 class, uh, not to mention, um, you know, some good players in the 2021 class too. So um, I'm excited for, for some sort of football to, to finally be here. And I commend the NSAA of Nebraska. I mean, they've – you know, there was that initial period where they questioned if they shouldn't get there or play, and OPS pulling the plug yep. right before practices open, the Friday before the Monday. Uh, but they kind of have weathered that storm at least to this point, and it looks like we're going to get games in the state. And, and high school football this year in Nebraska will be as big as any year we can remember because there's zero competition for it. And unfortunately, there's going to be crowd restrictions in the metro areas of yeah. Lincoln and Omaha. Um, but like I heard Jeff Gross say at McCook, they had a scrimmage last Friday. 600 people showed up <laughs> to the scrimmage. Well, if that if that doesn't tell you how starved people are for football, then I don't I don't know what does. But um, it doesn't surprise me one bit to, to hear that, that there's 600 people that came out. But um, I know everyone's just like we are. I mean, we're we're excited for there to be some sort of uh, sports, uh, live sporting events going on. All right. Well, lots to follow. It's Wednesday at 1130. Obviously, a lot could change from now and over the weekend. Uh, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. We will keep you up to date with the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.